Maple Leafs drop a 2-1 decision for the New York Rangers. Let's pick up that with Bruce Boudreaux, the man they call Gabby. Gabby, okay. is, uh, is, is, is Stelic with you? Because no, I, no. <laughs> I, I don't think Stelic does anything without you anymore. Well, if he wants to get anywhere in life, he should keep that up then. One hundred percent. Where where are we finding you these days? I'm in uh, Hershey, Pennsylvania today, and I'll be in Secaucus, New Jersey, on Friday, and then Washington on Tuesday. And how's the broadcasting so, gig going? Well, you know what? I'm just starting on Friday, so I mean, uh, um, it's I like doing it. It's fun. The guys up there are pretty cool. So it's uh, and it's anytime you can just sit around for a couple hours and talk hockey, you can't go too far wrong. Absolutely. So uh, we, we got to get your thoughts on the Toronto Maple Leafs up here and their uh, their season so far, and, and what you think of that team in general. They're a pretty polarizing team around the league. You either kind of believe or you don't. Yeah, you know what, um, and I think all of their games so far, half the game they've looked like the greatest team on earth, and the other half they look like they're not interested. But uh, when they turn it on, I mean, they're pretty they're a pretty potent team. I thought last night um, after the first ten minutes, I mean, they were all over the Rangers uh, for for most of the game. But uh, uh, it's it's interesting is that. Uh, because of the guys they picked up, I've I've had them all. I've had Nick Ritchie. I've had Kase. Um, you know when they had Curtis Gabriel at the beginning, uh, I had him too. So I mean, it was uh, I knew these players that they had gotten, and I didn't know if um, the, my biggest question was whether Nick Ritchie could do what Hyman was doing, and uh, uh, that that jury is still out for me. I think foot speed's an issue here. I was just talking about the edge work of those guys two of the best in the world and and for Nick it's just about reading and reacting and I I said earlier in the show Gabby that he's got to he's got to be a there has to be a way to be in a position to help support giving goes it's just not about hanging out in front of the net no I mean he's got he's got good hockey sense he's good with the puck but his foot speed has been a problem when I had him in Anaheim he was very young and he got in a lot better shape um, when he played in Boston, but my only question is, why would Boston not want him uh, if he was, you know, going to be this good? I mean, uh, I like Nick, but uh, uh, that—that's the question that keeps coming back in my mind. Why wouldn't you make him an offer? Um, and so, I mean, I think Hyman is is was really much better fitted if it, in a puzzle to that team. But I hope Nick does real well because you know he's got a good shot. A nose for the net, but you're 100% correct. His uh, um, his foot speed is not what what it looks like the rest of the Leafs have. I just, just I just uh, I want to move on, but I, I one more on Nick Ritchie. Uh, can he? Is it hard to light a fire under him because he is a big, strong guy? And first and foremost, I gotta think you gotta show that you're a physical presence out there. That has to be the main reason why Boston let him go. It, it might be like he's tough. If he gets in a fight, he is really good. But he's such a laid-back guy. He's, I mean, you never see much emotion on his face. Um, I, I mean, from what you know, if you've watched the games, and and 
that's the one thing I would have liked to see that little bit of fire. And hopefully he can get it somewhere um, because if he gets that fire, he could, it can make up for his foot speed and he could become a real valuable player to that team. What are your thoughts on uh, the superstar situation here in, in Toronto with uh, Mitch Marner kind of, uh, you know, he's got an assist through four games. Uh, you know, obviously Austin Matthews is going to make a big difference there, but him and Tavares, Marner and Tavares are off to really slow starts. Is it, you know, Keith is in the news, giving him some props today and trying to make him feel good about himself. How would you handle what Mitch Marner's going through uh, here in Toronto? Well, I w- you know, I would just do what, uh, what I see on TV. He's getting chances like galore. He's missed them all, but he's, uh, he's involved in, I'll bet you if they did the stats on, on involved in scoring chances, he's, he's involved in all of them. And as Nick knows, you know, when you're, when we're growing up and we're playing and your dad is sitting there and you're saying, how am I doing dad? And he's saying, well, you're getting chances to score. Say yes. Well, you don't worry about it. But, uh, um, it's when he doesn't get the chances, uh, that, that you start to worry about him a little bit, but, he, you know, I think I still think he overpasses a little bit, but he's involved in everything. I'm not too worried about Mitch. You, you know, he's going to come up in in three games. He'll get eight points and he'll be back to normal. But uh, he's getting the chances, um, and so I wouldn't worry about it uh, too much about him. Uh, Justin just mentioned that Sheldon Keefe was on air, maybe just trying to reassure that what you're saying about the chances and. He's happy and, and all of that. How hard is it, Gabby, for a head coach to weigh in on on what maybe one of your star players may need or not need? Was it ever a situation for you in Washington, say, with Ovi, where hey, he's, he's going through a little bit of a phase? What do I do? Do I, do I talk to him? Do I not? Do I publicly say anything? Is it, is it a tough decision where you need to be for your star to kind of help him? Yeah, you know what? Uh, I mean, um, Sheldon knows Mitch as well as anybody, and you know, Ovi didn't go through too many slumps. But when when things weren't going well for him or whatever, I just had to talk to him. I'd have a talk with him, and I'd bring him in and I'd show him positive clips, and I'd say, "Just keep doing this. Look at you're getting close. You're right there on the edge. You're going to break through, and things are going to go well. So stay positive and 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 keep doing the things you're doing." Um, I think positive reinforcement uh, to to the players, especially the the star players, because they get down on themselves in a hurry when they don't start scoring, um, is really important. And I think Sheldon's doing the right thing by being positive with them. And 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 I'm sure they, uh, their video coach has shown them clips um, to not get down because I mean it's easy to get down in this league, but uh, uh, it's it's important that they stay positive because they're your best players. You're going to need them um, when push comes to shove almost every night. So Bruce, when you have Ovi and he's the guy in your power play taking one-timers, everyone knows that shot is coming. You guys were able to work it in a way that he still got those shots and he still scored over and over. The next guy who's got the best shot in hockey right now is Austin Matthews. And the Toronto Maple Leafs power play is not what the Washington Capitals power play was. How do they open up Matthews? How do they open up space? How do they do what the Capitals did, where people know where the puck is going, but still opening up spots to be able to use it? You know, it's interesting because I think the Leafs have uh, great um, personnel on the power play, where they don't uh, they don't need to to completely put the spotlight on Austin. I mean, uh, it, 
he could bump it to, to Mitch in the middle. He could go down low to Tavares and, and uh, across to, uh, uh, in, in the, um, what, you know, his name, uh, <laughs> uh but I mean, well, so, I mean, yeah. they've got all the options. Yeah. Uh, Nylander is what I was trying to say. Yeah. Um, I, I get him mixed up with Niederreiter cause I had Niederreiter and Nylander. <laughs> so anyway, so that's what I didn't want to say the wrong name, but anyway, they've got all these options, uh, to use them. And, uh, so they don't have to focus on Austin Matthews. Like when when Nick Backstrom has the puck da- in 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 the side on the sidewall. I mean Carlson's got the shot. Like Morgan Riley's got got a good shot. You could have gone down low, or you've got Oshie in the middle. So you can't completely if you focus totally on Ovi that somebody else was open. And I think mm-hmm. it's the same case here. If you if they're going to focus on on Austin at the half wall, something has got to be open. They just got to be able to, to pick the right option and they got to move the puck quick. And that's uh, and I love where Austin's playing on that side because you got a left-handed guy passing to a left-handed guy. It's really difficult if it's the other way around because you don't get it in the wheelhouse and it was his first game, but I think you're going to be able to see some one-timers on that side that he's going to be able to open up the play an awful lot. Hey, Gabby, we, uh, we dissected to death this uh, documentary they did on the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, called All or Nothing. I don't know if you've had a chance to watch it. Hell, I don't even know if you watched your own. What was that a few years ago? You you did one for uh, leading up to the outdoor game. Uh, maybe it was HBO or or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Just yeah, no, I go ahead. I'm yeah, sorry. I was just gonna say just your overall experience in, in that and, and whether or not that was truly fun for you or a pain in the ass. You know, at the beginning, it was really worrisome, but the HBO folks for, for me were great. They had done, they had just finished doing, um, I think hard knocks with the jets and they'd gone through it with teams. And so they, they knew what they were doing and like they knew what to edit. Like my biggest fear, cause they put the microphone on at six 30 in the morning and wouldn't take it off till you went home at night. And uh, we were told to let them have full access to everything. So as you know, sometimes it slips when you're talking privately with your coaches and you, you worry whether, Oh, they're going to put that in and then we're done. And they didn't, they were really respectful. And so I didn't have a problem because they were really, really nice to us. And they were honest to us. I mean, the biggest thing that I got out of it is I swore 42 times in 20 <laughs> seconds, one, one episode. And uh, that, that seemed to be the, the, the thing that everybody talked about. But I didn't have a problem once it started. I was worried about it. But once it got going, it was okay. It really helped you be the star that you are today on TV. That's right. Oh yeah, yeah. That's all they need is a fat bald star. I love it. <laughs> did, did, did you have any sort of editorial uh, ability? Like we've had that debate on the show. How much did the Leafs have the final say of saying, "Yeah, we want that in," or we all don't? All of it. All of it. You think? How about you, I Bruce? Think, I think the Leafs might have had say. We had no say. I mean, George McPhee said, "You've got. They've got full access. They wanted this thing um, really done right." As a matter of fact, I think HBO stopped it. Um, when the Leafs played Detroit because the Leafs and Detroit didn't give them full access. Um, Babs and Randy Carlisle were very private about what they saw, and it didn't make for good TV. What, what we did, um, I guess, with the full access made it really good, really uh, captivating for TV. Like I remember the one time 
I came in after the night where I, I sort of lost it, and I asked our, our team services guy, hey, uh, did uh, I do any swearing on the show? And he just had to turn around and laugh because uh, it was all about me swearing. And uh, um, But, you know, I mean, people know that sometimes I have a potty mouth, so it's okay. Yeah, it's only natural. The um, one thing watching you with those Washington Capitals teams, I, every time I, you know, I see Ovi and what he's doing, I can't help but think of, you know, the influence you had there. What are your thoughts on where Ovechkin is at in his career and what he still seems to be able to do? Do you think this can continue? You know what? Uh, knowing him and knowing he's going to uh, make every effort to it continue, the one thing that he he he's not going to lose and I haven't seen him lose it yet is his ability to shoot the puck. And when he gets the shot on net, it goes in, it either hits you or it goes in. He's got an incredible release. He's got an incredible, um, you know, I mean, when they do the, the hardest shots, it's not that hard because it's not his slap shot that it's so difficult, but his his wrist shot is so dynamic that as long as he's got that, he's going to be able to score. And the other thing that Alex has is, He's got, that people don't realize, he's got such a great offensive hockey IQ. He knows when to jump in. He knows where to go into spots. Uh, example, his first goal of the year, if you remember, is on the power play. He's not staying at the dot. He sees the puck moving, mm-hmm. and he's going right to the far post, and it comes to him, and he puts it in. And so as long as he's got those instincts, I think he's going he's gonna to get the opportunity to score 30-plus goals a year if he stays healthy. And if he does that... Uh, even if he doesn't do it in five years, he'll stay until he gets it done. Those instincts might be some of the best in NHL history because there are some shifts. I don't think he takes 10 strides. It's like, it is unbelievable. Some on some sh- uh, shifts where he just doesn't move. You're telling me um, <laughs> <laughs> he used to be the star of the video more often and I hated doing it, but I said, if I don't show his lack of back-checking skills, then uh, the other players are going to get upset. So he would sit down, and I'd tell him beforehand, I said, Alex, don't get mad at me, but you're the star again. And uh, uh, when he, it's when he, he lifts up, and if you ever watch him, if he gets straight, and then that means, hey, boys, you're on your own. I'm just coming back when I come back. There's a famous clip of Ovi, the controller disconnected, where he just like stands up, you know, as you're mentioning, and just kind of coasts his way back. It's uh, it has become a feature of his back check. So I'm sure you had to deal with that many times. Go ahead. Kipper. I was just gonna say I, I I did worry a little bit. Uh, no Backstrom to start this season, and I guess to your point, if you can shoot the puck, then doesn't really matter who your centerman is. Well, yeah, you know what, and, and I think Kuznetsov got a real wake-up call last year because he was so bad, and he, you know, with Nick out, now he's getting first-line minutes, first-time ice time. I think he's trying to take advantage of it, So, uh, and he's a really skilled player when he wants to be, but again, that power play, as long as he's got Carlson on the point, right-hander to right-hander, feeding him the puck, uh, he's going to always be really good. What do, you, what do you think of their contracts, Bruce? Not, was it nine and a half million for another five years or something? Is that going to be but, value on those? Uh, you know what? For Alex, he sells he sells nine and a half million dollars in merchandise okay. uh, every year. And if he if he ever sends gets close to the to the record, you're going to see like 
like that money will look like um, nothing compared to what uh, uh, he's going to be bringing into the Caps organization. So, I mean, uh, I think, you know, and who's to say looking at for 13 years, whether he was actually underpaid at 10 million for what he did for that organization, because there was, uh, before he came there, they were, they were averaging about 6,000 people a game. Now the Washington Capitals are as big as any team uh, in, in the D.C. area, and, and he's as well-known as any athlete in that area. So I think he's well worth the money. Need an objective answer to this, not like super fan Sammy here. Uh, can, can Washington still win a Stanley Cup here, or is, is this going to be a, an OV? situation where it there's still just not enough I, th- I thought they were going to be that team last year they they didn't come close no you know what um i was talking to somebody about that today and i think the window is closing but i think this year um uh, this year they've still got the ability to do it but uh, after this year if you look at their age of their players they're getting pretty old i mean uh, I think the Hershey Bears are a great team, and I think they're starting to bring influx of young players uh, into into the organization again. But I, I, I think the window has got this year and at the most next year. But uh, if I think after that, they're going to have to make sure that they get some good young players in, in to refill the, uh, you know, the, <laughs> the holes that they're going to leave behind. All right, so what I got out of this interview is the window's closing for the Washington Capitals and Gord Stellick in the next few years. <laughs> no, Gord, Gord, as long as he keeps eating at the rate he's doing, he'll go, he'll go on forever. <laughs> All right. I love him, though. We you know love I love him. Gord. Oh, no, 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 no. Love isn't a big enough word for Gord Stellick. Yeah. Get him no, he's to defend a... himself. All right. Well, you know what? I'll, I'll I'll end up arguing with him on Thursday mornings, but I mean, we have a great time. I think he's the best, uh, but he is the only GM that I love that cut me and didn't rehire me, but uh, that's okay. Send him our love. Bruce Boudreaux, former Jack Adams award-winning coach and now NHL network analyst. Thanks, Gabby. All right, guys. Talk soon. Talk Thanks, soon. He's always fun. What a charmer. What a charmer. You know, he talked about uh, no uh, editing, uh, powers when he was with the Washington yeah. Capitals for that uh, HBO that. but uh, yeah I knew that when I saw the big mustard stain on his tie that was a dead giveaway that uh, Bruce Boudreaux had no say in editing no kidding eh uh, the the Leafs uh, it must have been a different story but that would be really nerve-wracking and uh, there's no it's not just because I feel like I would say something like you just don't want someone listening to you 24-7 do you no not at all not at all. Uh, just a few minutes before we break here, I want to bring uh, the the fact that uh, Nick Robertson, of course, uh, is mm. going to be out for maybe the next 10 weeks. Uh, broken bone. We saw a pretty devastating hit he took on the weekend. He, of course, has been regarded, uh, Justin, as the top prospect in the Toronto Maple Leaf organization. Uh, this is devastating, especially at the beginning of last season when he was also lost um for for a long while i think with a a knee injury Mm -hmm. and i just you watch him and a lot of people thought he was close to making the team i think the right decision was was made by by sending him down 
But now I'm starting to question a little bit about his his style of play. And while you, you knew of the, the goal scoring coming out of Peterborough and out of junior hockey and, and Leaf Nation, very excited about the 50 goals. But at the pro level right now, there seems to be a heaviness to the game that he has not adapted to. Hmm. And when I say style of play... It's putting yourself in positions where your body can't cash those checks. Yeah. Are you with me at I'm all with, I, I know. I know exactly what you're saying. Um, it, it's, it is an adjustment coming from the league he was playing in to playing with men and the where you take contact and how much, I would say, how much stronger the contact is. I remember my, you know, even coming from college, the first time playing against real professional hockey players, the force that guys come into the boards with to prepare yourself, it is unexpected. You know, I, I'm more prone to chalk it up to just bad luck in this past instance, but it is, there's no doubt that it's, uh, it is a different game and it's possible it could be related to that. The, the question now is, you know, when did they see him coming? When did, I think they thought they might have him for playoffs this year. And that's one of the reasons that the left-wing position looks as thin as it does right now for them is them thinking, you know, all right, we'll give them, you know, till Christmas in the minors, call them up after Christmas, and now, you know, now we'll have another guy. I don't think that's the, that plan is I, gone now. I don't think I, – I think you're, you're guessing at best if he could be even ready then. And I had suggested last season at the trade deadline – that they may have to use Nick Robertson as a trade chip. <gasps> I did. People don't like hearing that. I, I threw that out there, yeah. and I, I I got killed on social media. Everybody's sitting there going, he's going to be a star. He's going to and, – and I'm not debating that. He can still be a star, and he could end up maybe one day scoring 30 or 40 goals. But when I looked at Nick Robertson, and I looked at the window that the Leafs have to win now – Mm-hmm. didn't didn't match up and if if anything this last injury will prove that that his window of possibly being great when he will be ready to be great mm-hmm. i don't think falls into the we have to win now mode this is not commentary on nick robertson specifically but i think teams tend to overvalue their prospects they tend to think you know, fans see these names of a guy who might be a star, and they think, "Oh, we can't let get a, You know, we can't let go of him. It's the old mystery box. They'd rather take the the mystery box than something they know exists. So, if you could turn the mystery box of Nick Robertson into a current good left winger, do I need to remind everybody I scored sixty two in junior too? <laughs> right? You should. I'm glad and you did. Do you know how many fifty and sixty goal scores in junior never got a cup of coffee yeah. in the NHL, and yet? Everybody will put this guy at the top of the prospect list to be uh, a can't-miss great player, but it takes time. And this last injury to Nick Robertson has proven that, that he can still have a very good career in the National Hockey League. It's just not going to be when the right now. I feel so bad for the kid, right, because he didn't go to the World Juniors. So he could try to make an NHL team. He didn't go home during the pandemic because he wanted to train and show his commitment to the NHL team. He didn't make the NHL team, and now he's not making any team with the injury. Well, he'll be there, but boy, it's uh, 
I really feel for him because he's shown the commitment and everyone's telling him to relax, right? Like that's all you read about the kid from like Haley Wickenheiser. And, you know, everyone's just saying the best thing he could do is relax a little, not force it, try less hard. That's a, I know it sounds ridiculous, but, you know, See, he's, he's... I call it style of play. Yeah. And, yeah, it's going to be... It's going to be a tough road ahead of him because... Tougher now, for sure. Ten weeks. And uh, the good news, I don't think he needed surgery, correct? So that, that, that that's a that's a good thing. That's a good thing. All right, we're going to take a quick break here. We got J.D. Bunkus coming up, of, of course, of uh, the Fan Morning Show. He's got a few uh, thoughts and ideas on the Leafs. I, I can't wait to hear him and 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 shut him down. JD. Yeah, he he's comfortable uh, putting himself out there. So open season. All right, JB, JD, JP, JS, no, Sammy, Sammy. <laughs> Sammy. We're struggling here. All after the break. Real Kipper and Born. JD Bunkus, who I'm, uh, I'm excited because, you know, when I first found out I was going to be working with Kipper, you know, there's an intimidation factor. You know, you, you get in a booth like this. Come on. You, you know, you, I feel like you're not one to pull punches if you disagree. You know, I've been working with Jeff Merrick. Like He's a he'll, he'll, he'll soft shoot it a little bit for me. But uh, you know, I got good. no time. I remember, I'm a little older, <laughs> yeah. so I've I've run out of patience. To you, just got to get to the point. That's honestly, I that's admirable. You get to an age where you're like, I'm just saying what I say, and then you said, let the rest of you deal with it. So last night, outside of I think the Leafs' best performance, of of course, we're all on board on there. We did something that we haven't done in a very long time. Mm-hmm. We went. And saw the game. We did. We went and and watched it live. I was fortunate enough to get a couple of tickets to the alumni box. And I'm like, I'm going to take JB. Let's go hang out. Let's go watch the game. We'll see it live. And then we get to talk about it here on the show. What's better than that? So uh, what we end up doing is I electronically send you the ticket that way I can walk in and get set up and you can come when you want to come and uh hopefully JD's listening to this and so there I am the game's kind of started JB young family go home dinner put the kids to bed I get all of that you're gonna come a few minutes late so I'm already in my seat watching and I know the rules of an, an arena, okay? And the rule is that you wait until a whistle and then you go to your yeah. seat. But we're in the alumni box. I'm the only one in my row with the exception of, of two women. And I get a text from uh, JB and he says to me, I'm right behind you. And I'm thinking, okay, well, just come and sit down now. <laughs> right? And I don't know. The, sometimes these plays can go on for five minutes. Right. I don't want you to stand back there. I wave you in. And what I think is just an easy move to your seat. <laughs> and I think there's a ton of room in the front row where you can walk by two people. You stomp on the woman's foot I beside it, it, me. 
and I hear a yelp like it's no tomorrow. And like, let's be clear, not a glancing blow. No, <laughs> no, this was a jackhammer on her foot. She called me a not nice word too. And uh, and she is like pissed. You know, and not it didn't great, help. Not a great first impression. You know what didn't help is she told me two weeks earlier she just had surgery on her bunions. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think you're making that part up. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I tried to make you feel worse. JD, you would never do that, right? I am nimble. I, I would never. I'm like a cat. I move around. You ever see those videos of cats? The way they move around cans or over what? That's me. I would never step on a lady's foot. I'm not some clumsy oaf like Bourne. This is the thing. You never bring him. He never really goes out in public. So, I don't Kipper, know how you to know, be. I don't know. He really do loves you. Well, he listen. really loves you, and he's really trying to make this partnership work because th that man is an introvert's introvert. You know, like he – pandemic changed nothing for him socially. <laughs> like he's like, uh, sorry, there's something going on where we're not supposed to leave our houses? <laughs> like, he had I, I no idea. I will say this. I, I am working on this show daily with the second nicest guy in this city next to Jack Campbell. Yeah. Because Justin apologized to her oh, yeah. 27 <laughs> times. She, listen, if she would have accepted one or the 14th or the 23rd, I'd have stopped. But I was going to keep going until she took it. <laughs> Let's see, what, what can I get you? Can I get yeah. you popcorn? Yeah. Can I get you? Kipper, I was going to offer her to buy her wine or something, but you can't. Hey, it's the alumni box. Everything's free. So buy a new shoes, a new foot. I don't know what to Can do. Can I wave down Carlton to take a picture with you? Anything. Uh, but please forgive me. Uh, so, J.D., what's going on, man? What are you... What are you what are you uh, What are you expressing in your morning show that you can uh, bring the real Kipper and Bourne right here? So... I just need to say before we do this is that Bourne knows me quite well and I'm a gives one apology person and then once it's like uh, that's, th that's the end of the apologies I've offered yeah. it now now I turn the anger on her for not accepting my apology and it becomes a contentious situation Cross so my mind. lucky lucky that you were with him and not with me because yeah that's definitely what would happen um, sorry so, not sorry yeah so exactly so I got a, I've got a couple things for you guys I feel a little weird because uh, Sam your, your producer my buddy text me he goes hey do you have hot takes for Kipper and Bourne and I'm like I don't ever think my takes are hot people just say wow that's a hot take which makes me kind of feel like my opinions are really dumb and that that's not great so I'm gonna bring I just I have a couple of things for you guys that I wanted to ponder on today and see if we could answer some of them together all right I like that I like that yeah. good plan let's have let's have it so number one, I texted this one to Bourne last night, and he gave me no reply because he was probably just sweating all over his phone and ruined it uh, <laughs> as he's trying to apologize to this lady. Oh, but this is my question. Why not Spezza in the Marner spot on the power play? I, I just don't – to me it feels like such an overthink to ask Mitch Marner to be in a spot – where he's encouraged to shoot. And I get that he's been working on his shot all offseason, but it kind of reminds me of one of the cliches in all of sports of, this is the best shape I've ever been in my life, or I've been working on my jump shot all season. But ultimately, okay, great. I want you to have more tools in the tool belt, but why am I accentuating one of the team's least effective offensive features on a power play full of stars? I just, I don't really get it. And when I look at Spezza, I think, okay, you actually have a blend of a heavy shot, you're an unselfish player, which means that I think you're going to continue to look for Austin Matthews in the same way that really this power play should. 
what what is my dumb brain missing here other than the fact that Marner makes 11 million bucks and they need to highlight him in certain ways well we we did early in the show talk about different looks and we did see Mitch leave that spot and go down off a post uh and uh JB I I mentioned even having a Matthews there but mm-hmm. uh, JD says uh Spezza and let's give him full credit because he again is one of those guys that are, are is giving way more than than what you expected at this point of his in his career. Yeah, I so I like that JD. I I got no problem with that. Like Spezza to me watching that game last night, the amount of times that guy gets little touches in tight areas and escapes I mean, it's Houdini. It is pure Houdini. And to me, that's what the bumper is, not to mention the amount of times if Matthews can pull a Kucherov and, and fake some of those shots and just slip him in the middle of the Spezza, I don't know. I think you get points here. The problem is that, you know, then you got to put Marner in the second power play and Kipper got mad at me for that one. So, I, you know, it's what, what do you well, do with Why are Mitch we Marner? mad at that, Kipper? Why, why are we mad at that? Because it's like, why can't we have a scenario where this guy is just, hey, you get your own unit. This is your own place. Let's just see it. And, and like, you can always go back. Right? These moves don't have to be definitive. They don't have to be permanent. But can I just see it? Your big boys are on the power play. Yeah. End of story. Okay? And this isn't um, this isn't house league where the buzzer goes off and five ghost <laughs> guys come off and then five go on. Yeah. And everybody goes home happy because everybody got even ice time. I'm paying $10.9 million. I'm paying 11.6 million. Those guys are on the power play and they're going to soak up as much as they think that they need. Sometimes they'll come off early because it's, they're not feeling it. And that's where your second unit is. Your second unit will get anywhere between 30 seconds and 15 if they're lucky. Okay. The Those kids. guys, the big boys will take all two minutes if they think that they can get the job done. That's where we are in the NHL. Okay, so can I ask one little follow-up question to you guys, which relates to this, and then I can move on to the other uh, potential, uh, as Sam puts them, hot takes, but to me, just my normal hockey questions <laughs> and <takes>. opinions. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, Give it a rest. What happened, what happened to Marner with the power play? Born, I remember when you and I first started to become friends, and it was very early in Marner's tenure, and he was running the half wall on the power play, mm. and I remember shooting you a text one night saying, how many guys would you rather run the half wall on the power play than Mitch Marner? And we talked about it, and you were like, not too many. Is this just a scenario where he didn't evolve and the league figured him out? Like, what what do you guys see that has caused this drastic shift where we're okay. even – like, okay. even a dumb guy like me is bringing oh, hold, it up. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold yeah. on. Like, this isn't – this isn't – don't don't turn this into Mitch Marner is the problem on the power play. <laughs> Oh, I did. Okay. No, no, no. I don't. I don't buy that for one second. Okay. I think if you want to talk about a, a, a power play that's frustrated, then you're going to throw in three or four other guys here. Sure. Last time I checked, Mitch Marner led the team in power play points three out of the last four years. So don't tell me for one second now, Mitch is an issue here, and everybody else is great. Yep. And that's fair. That's fair. I just look at it and say he had zero goals on that unit last year, and then they're like, let's put him in the slot. Yeah. I'm like, wait, what? Like- I think, you know, look at Matthews and how he dried up as well on the power yeah. play when it was needed most here. So, you know, I I often say this, that when, when, you're, when your stars are frustrated, they that's when they go back to the bench, they look over their shoulder and they see 
three guys in suits, and they go, a little help here, please. And it's up to them. So Manny Maholtra was a genius on the power play For a month. at the beginning of the year and then was essentially fired off the power play. And now we've got a guy that they hired, I guess, from... I don't know his name. My apologies. Spencer Carberry. Yeah, yeah Spencer. Yeah. I don't know Spencer. Yeah. I, I wouldn't know him if I ran him over with you know the what Zamboni. You like? Manny Maholtra. Okay. <laughs> now, I don't know. I don't know what his level of expertise is. Well, he went to my university, so he's an Alaska grad. Yeah. And now, a good university. So, so he comes in there, and he goes, hey, Mitch. Hey, Austin, come here. Okay. I'm going to tell you what's best for you on the power play. And I don't know. They can look at this guy and go, excuse me, what's your name again? Where'd you come from? What's your track record? I think when you're bad like you were last okay. year, you're listening to anyone. So I, I don't know. I don't know the dynamic of that situation. But I do know that when you have really good, talented guys and they're frustrated, coaches have to find a way to, to loosen this thing up and put you in a position to succeed. And right now, there seems to be a tug of war right now between the players on the ice and the instructions that they're getting because they're not matching up. So ultimately, coaches get fired if they don't get max performance out of the guys on the ice. And I'm not suggesting otherwise, but that's just the reality of the NHL is that these coaches are going to have to find a way yeah, to, to get, get those this guys thing going spots. here. I can live with that. Yeah, and, and listen, I understand that it's very early, and the power play hasn't looked broken like it did at times late last season where you felt like, oh, the, they cleared the puck once, it's over. Now they can't even gain the zone because these guys are all in their heads, and it just never felt threatening. It has felt more threatening at times. My question was just kind of specifically around Marner. And to be honest, like... I, I'm always torn on something like that because I feel like you do reward your best players. And Kipper, I, I hear everything that you're saying about, hey, you put your big boys out there, and I'm in agreement with all that. Um, I even think if you did work on something all offseason, then give your best players an opportunity to prove or to think that those improvements had made growth and that you're rewarding that work ethic yeah. um, and that you're trying to keep those guys engaged. I just keep looking at that spot, and all I think is the last place I want the puck to like die as in go towards the net is that guy in that spot. And I've just thought Jason Spezza to me fits there. And so, yeah, maybe, maybe someday I get my wish, but I I don't see it. JD, I'm not sure right now anybody fits in that spot. I'm not. And, and we watched a very successful bumper in Tampa Bay, Mm -hmm. but that's unique. You know, we're looking at this. How many, how many goals from the bumper position are scored per team? Per year, I'm I, I'm on it, guys. I'm on it. Okay, you know, so yeah, we got the sports logic. Okay, give, you guys ready for four, my next question? Give, give four guys a guitar, a drum. Doesn't make them the Beatles, you know. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. I like that. So my next question is very simple: Is Michael Bunting already one of the Leafs' three most popular players? I say undoubtedly yes. Well, hold on. You got him ahead of Soupy, the the ten. Yes, you do. Yes. Wow. Here's how I have it. I have it basically. <sighs> 
I'll tell you this. Matthew's interview with ESPN where he was like, I don't know. I know the fans play hockey and love hockey and spend millions of dollars watching us play, but I just wish they would shut up. Um, That didn't really go over well with a lot of people I know. (laughs) That that wasn't the best of looks. Um, I think that when you're trying to express your personality, um, clothes and hating the fans are probably not just the best way to do that. Either way, I think that Matthew's popularity is pretty unassailable. And like even saying those things... No one's changing their mind. He's the best player. He's the star. He's the face of the franchise. He scores 40 goals in his sleep. He's incredibly popular. He's the dude. My, my contention would just simply be that Leafs fans are still pretty pissed. I don't know about you guys in terms of the texts you receive. I get a lot more fan interaction, and I still have a lot of people who are not really over the loss, surprisingly. <laughs> it didn't mm-hmm. take like four games before everyone would say, hey, that's totally cool that you guys blew it in that fashion. Um... I don't get the sense. Oh, I don't get the sense that there are that many popular players on this team. And Bunting wasn't there last year, so he benefits from that. It's a capped-out team. He makes nine hundred thousand dollars, and he does the thing that everybody here loves, which is like, if you were the agent for somebody and they were going to play for the Leafs, and and I was like, say the guy who's my next topic involves, I would just say, hey, you want to know how you get loved in the city of Toronto? Take less money and go to the blue paint, and then the love will follow. And Michael Bunting does those things, and now I kind of feel like all I ever get every night is, I hate the Leafs, but I love Bunting, or as I call him, Bunt Cake. (laughs) Uh, Well, who are the in contention, really? It's Matthews, so what about the big dogs? Marner, Tavares, and Nylander. You don't think Mitch Marner is more popular than Michael Bunting? I don't. I don't right now. I think Marner's approval rating, like if we were doing Leafs approval rating, he's like one of the lowest guys. I think that it's like him and Nick Ritchie where people are not the biggest of fans. I I just think that Marner would have uh, more visibility. More people know who he is. I would say kids probably still like Marner more. But if we're talking about this in terms of like adult Maple Leafs fans, I think that right now it's kind of – Michael Bunting, somewhere behind a Nylander, somewhere behind maybe a Jack Campbell. But for most fans, I think that right now they'd have him in the top three. Spezza there too, by the way. Like, it's incredible. I've said this before. But that the Leafs have had some of the, two of their most disappointing exits and seasons the last two years. And those are the only ones that Spezza has been a part of. And yet he's like, this guy can do no wrong. Everybody loves him. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. And, and you hit you hit it right on the nail it's the money it's yeah. that good money yeah and I, I will say this that yeah the, you can hate me and i'll take the 11 you know <laughs> me too. spets is very well respected in that room i get it and yeah. bunting's working on it by his level of play but i will say this when spetsa and Bunting both signed their contracts. They made a remark publicly. About what they were earning. 100%. Yeah. Okay? Mm-hmm. And when Spezza says publicly, I could take less if I could. Oh, that, yeah. I thought that was maybe. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's when. He's laying it on thick. That, and, and Bunting said that I took less and I had more offers yeah. somewhere else. Love. That's when you're. You're you're killing, yeah. You're killing Matthews and Marner. <laughs> you are. It's so true. Hey, okay. like when you like, when you're getting those points, this you're, you're, is where, okay. But isn't that is fair? Where, it is. No, it's not fair. Okay, I think it's it is. I think fair. it is fair. No, 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 no. <laughs> okay. No. Hey, listen. I've got a lot of respect for Spezza. Yeah. He yeah. killed 
Matthews and Marner with that comment. Yeah. Okay. okay. And he should know better. Yeah. Okay. Know better. Hey, Jason, you don't get to say that because you hung out your two best players to dry with that comment. Wow, I have not heard that. All right? Mm. What you needed to say is... Doesn't matter what any of us earn. For We're me, all teammates. For me, it's not about the money. That's okay. it. Yeah. That's on... But when you, when you tell the Leaf Nation that I would take less to win, then you make it look like others didn't. And that's where Marner and Matthew should have an issue on on what Spezza said. Didn't help okay. him. Yeah. So this is like my that. only pushback to this is, okay, Jason Spezza obviously has already made his money, and so I don't think a lot of fans read into it, hey, this is the way that he should have been. I think a lot of people look at it as, hey, this is a guy who's already made his money. And with Michael Bunting, I think people also look at him and say, well, he's also taking less knowing that he's getting the comforts of being home and also uh, a magnifying glass where if two years from now he performs on this contract, which he's going to, he's probably going to be in line for something that's like, honestly, is $4 million, $4.5 million out of the question if this is who he is like for an oh entire season? I can you stop okay. for a second? We're four, <laughs> games, we're four games into the season. I, that's why I said over the course of two million. years. Can we see if he could last a season? Yes, okay. yes, but I, that, that was the caveat. That was the caveat. This is my problem with Marner and Matthews and why I don't really care if they got railroaded or if people interpreted it that way. Okay. It's like, I kind of think guys should care about playing for the Leafs and understand what it means to play but, for the Leafs. But, and yeah, but, they're a loser franchise, okay. but it's also like the most popular one where people care. And so for those guys to be like, we don't care, it's only about the Jay money. And for Matthews to go in the media and say like, I wish the fans wouldn't complain about when we're struggling. It's kind of like, do you, you guys even understand it? what it's you're not, playing? It's not the real world. Jason Spezza is. is not the real world because he's sitting on ninety million dollars of career yeah. earnings. So he yes. is not playing for seven fifty. He's playing <laughs> for a championship. Yep. And yep. but the Leaf Nation wants everybody to play for a championship right. and not care about the money, and that's not realistic. So Jason Spezza is sitting on nine hundred or ninety million dollars, and guess what? Marner wants to sit on ninety million, and after he gets his ninety million, he might play then for he can go play for seven fifty. <laughs> but I need your ninety million, Jason Spezza, because if <laughs> if you sat on 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 no career earnings and you wanted to play for fifty or seven hundred and fifty thousand, would you? No. Yeah. I get the economics oh. of it. I just think that it's only fair that people look at it and say, okay, you know, if Jason Spezza is trying to chase a championship, that he also knows that, hey, there are still other people here that are going to step up and have to come back to Toronto. And they just had that situation with Zach Hyman, and they're about to have it with Morgan Riley. Like, I view that more as trying to control the future and let it be known that, hey, I'm taking less to be here. Maybe the guys who with the next contracts won't look at Matthews and Marner and say, I'm going to try to cap out my earnings that, hey, there is a bit of value in playing here. Hey, there is something special about playing in front of a fan base that actually gives a crap. And if you do win a Stanley Cup, it is immortalized. Rather than going to Carolina and your biggest thing, your biggest, most popular fan is literally a pig. Like, it just, it feels like that should matter a little. Do you not remember a few years ago, Brendan Shanahan publicly came out and told the guys you're going to have to play less uh, yeah. for yes, to keep it all Yes, and they didn't. And they didn't. Right. So, so maybe it means more from a guy that they're in the, like, actual trenches with. Or go find them. 
Oh, I'm go, hoping go, that one go, of them go, is Morgan Riley. Go find Riley. the guys <laughs> that sit there and say, um, I'll, I'll play for a minimum wage because I'm I'm waiting for a, a, a soup commercial. <laughs> Yeah, you know, th- that's the thing with winning a championship. It's a 1-32 in 32 shot here, and you, you got to get your money when you can get your money. I love this. Do I have my time for my last one, or have I ex- expired? Oh, no. You're on a roll now. You pissed okay. me off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that I brought things where I was like, oh, is this topic too soft? Is Michael Bunting a top three fa- a fan favorite? I'm like, this feels like such a cheap pop, and it ends up being a thing where they go, I knew JD would come with hot takes. This is, of course, the way that it goes. Yes. All right, last one. It's four games. It's only one with Austin Matthews. But how much longer does Nick Ritchie get a look in the top six? And is there even a place for him somewhere else on this roster? Can you possibly trade a Nick Ritchie, you know, if he's not good this season? So my question to follow up, you know, to to go deeper into what happens if it doesn't work on that top line? Yes. Can he go to the second line, play with Tavares and Nylander? That's an unequivocal no for me. There's going to be multiple nights where no one has any energy, no one has any life, no one's dragging anyone anywhere, let alone into a fight. So that's a no. Can you play him lower down in the lineup? It's like, well, you want a four-checking energy guy down there. If he's not going to do it in the top line, is he going to do it down there when he's frustrated? I don't know. It is... You know, we saw a guy in the preseason who could put pucks away. When he played with Morgan Riley... Sorry, with, with Mitch Marner... And he found himself open in front of the net. He can complete plays. So I think that's what it's going to have to be. It's an acceptance that this guy is going to complete some plays when they come to him. And when they don't come to him, we're either just going to have to put up with them or the Leafs are going to find somewhere else for him to be because I don't see how it works farther down the lineup. Yeah, he's going to – we we did discuss this earlier in the show. He, he In my opinion, he's going to work his way up and down the lineup and there's going to be some nights when he's – He's starting the game, and I think last night was a prime example that he can play with those guys, but he's going to end up with 12 or 13 minutes, and that's exactly what you got out of him last night. That was Kipper's fantastic takeaway from the starter show was that he's he is playing that top line, but he's not playing 20 minutes along with them. Like, you know, yeah. when they get the chance to throw Nylander out with that line at the end of a period or Tavares, they are doing it, so I don't mind him used in that way. Which is cool. I just think along the same lines as some of the stuff you touched on, Bourne, is there's not... I actually have liked what we've seen from the third line. Uh, I thought that they actually have a bit of a... I'm kind of a David Camp guy. Um, I I didn't... I'm very surprised to say this because when they signed him, I could not have been more underwhelmed, and yet I just noticed him. He's long, he's rangy, he seems to play he just he just seems to make plays he seems to be in the right spots and I don't want Nick Ritchie on a line where it's high leverage defensive zone starts okay so that's out and then what like I want him on a fourth line with Spezza and Simmons I'm already not really in love with that line most of the time when they're on the ice I just I I feel like if this doesn't work those 12 to 13 minutes with Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner I I just don't know what you're supposed to do about that and I'm also wondering who were you competing against giving Nick Ritchie the second year on the deal and at that yeah. dollar figure? Like that one now I'm looking at and saying, so why does Kasha and Camp, those guys are in like the 1 to 1.5 million range and Ritchie is in the 2 plus range? Is it because he's 6 foot 3? Well, he doesn't play like he's 6 foot 3. So how did this happen, especially well, after a winning organization like the Bruins walked away? I just wondered what the market was. It, the, it seems a little weird. The life of a general manager for Kyle Dubas. He, yeah. he looks like a genius getting bunting on a two-year deal, mm-hmm. and he looks like he's the dumbest guy in the world on a two-year deal for Richie. So he's 50%. <laughs> so he's, uh, he's average. 
right? Mm. Yeah. It works out. Mm. It works out. Hey, I thought for I, I would have taken you for uh, a hot takes on, on the dress code. But uh, I was wrong. You see Tavares, though? No tuck. Wow. That was very, you, very adventurous of him. sponsorship is coming down the pike. <laughs> I loved that so much. So I, I, I retweeted the person who tweeted it, but it really was hilarious. Someone's yeah. spin on Tavares uh, doing that. Also, Kipper, I know I pissed you off. I hope you forgive me because I, I, I would like to go to the alumni box. And I, I, won't, <laughs> I, won't, I won't step on people's feet. I'm banned, I'll so sit there and be seat. a good time. You know, there, there might be one time, though, where you're like, hey, man, you can't yell that. And I'll be like, oh, right. Uh, sorry about that, Kips. I'll leave early. You're still drinking little Buddha? Buddy, come on. It's still, like, it's 20 degrees outside. Of course I'm still drinking it. It's hot. Like, this is, yeah, like, global warming, not so bad for you and little Buddha. Like, everybody's just out there like, oh, I guess it's still hot. We're still drinking these. Let's go. All of all is forgiven, Bison. Oh, everyone worked it out with a little, you're, 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 little Buddha you're pop. drinking my cocktail. All is forgiven. Yeah. All now, right. Just bring me to those games. And not, bring from board, too. That's fine. Just me as well. J.D. Bunkus from the Fan Morning Show. Thanks, See you guys. Bringing it to Real Kipper and Born. What a guy. Thanks for doing this, J.D. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow, he's out of here. I don't know what, I don't know just what happened uh, two seconds ago. It's great. He's a hurricane. He comes in, knocks some stuff around, and he's, just, he's gone just like that. Um, he mentioned David Kampf. He's, he's, a, he's a fan. Yeah. And I am, too. Think uh, comes in, wins his face-offs. He's got a lot of good things going for him, but he can't score. No, not at all. There, Almost there, not there all. Just one does last not year. seem to be any type of offensive flair at all in his game, and I think that's the main reason why I think Chicago let him go. You know what got him paid or got him a two-year deal is Philip Deneau. Because Toronto watched what Philip Deneau did, never scoring for Montreal, and went, we could use one of those. Everyone on our team scores. What if we had a guy who just... I, I think I think Philip Deneau has more offensive upside than Camp. Oh, yeah. And Deneau can scored five really, times last year. Can you, like, can you play a third-line role in today's NHL and not have any type of offensive yes. ability? Philip Deneau did it on the I first line. Know. No. I didn't Deneau yeah. score five goals over a whole hockey season I, as the first line center. I see. I could be wrong on that I, stat. I I don't I don't particularly remember the numbers. And I know they weren't good yeah. for Philip. I get all of that, but I think he still has a better chance of scoring a goal than yeah. Camp. Five goals in fifty three games yeah. last year for for Deneau. and he just signed for five point five million dollars as a centerman. Um. Would you like to hear some some uh, stats I find interesting and you could tell me if they're useful or useless? Does that appeal to you? Yeah, it always does. I know. This is good. Okay. So uh, I seem to be the only person that I hate. I love this player. I have Jake Muzzin concerns. He is a reliable, steady. You know, he's like a, a golden retriever. He's the family dog that you can just trust. He's reliable. You love him. He's always there when you need him. He, he's not looking so good to me so far this season. So uh, four years ago, when he first came to the team, he was third among defensemen in, uh, in Corsi. So shot attempts for versus shot attempts against. When he's on the ice, the puck goes the right way. He's third on the team among defensemen. The next year, he's second. He's still above halfway at 53%. The next year, he drops down to fifth on the team, um, you know, staying just above 50%. And so far this season, he's at 47%. 
Uh, him and Hall are last on the team. I don't know if that, you know, the trend line is down from when he got here. Do you find that information useful or useless? Uh, if I had to pick one. Yes. I would lead towards useless because okay. we are talking about shot attempts and you are credited uh, for block shots, right? Yep. If he blocks one, it's still a mark against. Yeah. Shot attempt against. So when you think about shot attempts, if they're really high, is your first thought that's a good thing? Shot attempts for is a good thing? Yeah. Not against. Yeah, four, four would be good. But it's also situational where guys are attempting shots when they really should have no business shooting the puck. Yeah. Like even on a couple occasions, I see John Tavares at a bad angle try to get pucks to the net, yeah. and then it just leads to a face-off. It, it drives me nuts. It's useful in a huge sample. Over the course of a year, yeah, you can. it's useful. But for a couple of games, I, don't, I get your point where it's like, yeah. You... And usually at the end of the year, aren't the – Top names. Always at the top. Always at the top. Yeah. That, that's the, the one thing that I will say that concerns me is so the Leafs are uh, a lot of scoring chances one way, a lot of scoring chances against, and this is going to drive home my muzzin point, and I think you'll find this useful. No player's been on the ice for more scoring attempts, uh, sorry, scoring chances against than Jake Muzzin. So the Leafs yeah. are like six of the top 10. Like they give up a lot of chances against Riley's up there, but Jake Muzzin on the ice for a lot of chances which against. he shouldn't he should be the most reliable dependable right. shutdown guy the toronto maple leafs have only four games not a huge deal four games yeah. things can change but you know something to flag for the rest of the year you know what i found interesting again i'm gonna reference this friggin show all year long all or nothing you should i loved it but did you did you catch when uh when they had their their depth chart and they were going over some scenarios, Sheldon mm-hmm. and Kyle. And Sheldon, I don't know if you picked this up, but he said, okay, so what happens if Muzzin goes down? <laughs> just burn the board and down. It was just, it was, <laughs> Crickets. It was almost like uh, he really wanted to say, okay, what do we do when Muzzin goes down? <laughs> yeah, because it's he's, happening. He's He's been lost on a couple occasions when the teams needed him the most. You know what scares me about the Muzzin injuries is they're non-contact. Like, he's just skating, and then his groin's like, nope, not doing this anymore. That scares me because that's a guy whose body yeah. is yeah. had and, some hard miles on it. And Peter so Morazic. I worry about a decline. Peter that's Marazic, why I bring it up. You lose, you know, you lose Morazic to a groin injury one game in. On a shot. Crazy. Not, not a post-to-post diver. Just so a- is that, is that you're, tr- you're training the wrong way? Uh, you're, like, is that fall on trainers? Does it fall on uh, medical uh, doctors who couldn't see it coming? Does it fall on Peter Morazic? Like, but that should never happen, ever, that you are coming out of training camp for two weeks and then the third week you wreck your groin. I just, I, that one would drive me nuts. As a goalie, I imagine that's like the one of the things you focus on every day. How does that happen? I don't know. And then at the end of the year, you're Jake Muzzin and were you nursing an injury that you didn't let heal properly? Did it completely sneak up on you? 
the tendency is that everybody's not at 100% at the end of the year and you have been managing your body, but you are the number one shutdown guy and you can't play game seven. Forgot about that. No Tavares, no Muzzin. Like those are those are huge substantial losses. Huge in a big game. Okay, you got another useful or useless? Yeah. So when you played and when I played, you would notice when your coach was burying you and you're just like starting every shift in the D zone. You're like, God, like this is brutal for me. It, it has become a recorded stat, and coaches have gotten better at tracking it. Offensive zone starts. You generally you shelter guys you don't think defend well, or if you want to say optimize guys who you think can score, get a lot of ozone starts. But it's usually guys you got to protect. Number one on the Toronto Maple Leafs, the most, uh, the highest offensive zone start percentage. The guy who starts there the very most on the team, $11 million captain John Tavares. They don't put this guy on the ice in the D zone. I think it says something about what they think of his play, how, where they trust him. Is that useful or useless knowing where he starts compared to everyone else on the team? Well, um, I think that it's it's useful to to understand that how they use them. Uh, how they use them, and you know, skating's an issue for John Tavares, and he's not a bad skater, but he's one that it doesn't come easy to him. He's got to work hard. It's it's not he can he can skate all night. We know the guys that you can watch and you could, they could just skate Remember all Seth night. Seth Jones in the 5 OT game and effortless. he was just like not tired? Not effortless. Yeah. And that's not. John labors when he skates. Yeah. So I get if you want to try to conserve him. And Philip Denote, you know why the number one reason why they, they went and signed him was to protect Kopitar? Mm-hmm. Because Kopitar had to be the guy in the defensive zone and often be the guy in the offensive zone. So now they want to use him in a more offensive role, give Dono, Dono the D zone so, starts. So all those all those yeah, D yeah. zone uh, face-offs now, they belong to Philip Dono in L.A. They don't have to go Kopitar. You know what? Now that you say this, now that they have Kempf, that's what Kempf is doing, right? He's the D zone start guy. There you go. So maybe that's driving up Tavares. A hundred percent it is. Well, I have my... Uh, Stats here. Let's see. Anyway. Um, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. How about just from a team perspective, looking around the NHL, if you sort the NHL, every single team for um, scoring chances for and scoring chances against, eight of the top 10 teams or, or players in chances for are Toronto Maple Leafs. Seven of the top 10 players in chances against are Toronto Maple Leafs. So tons of chances for, tons of chances against, Far more than any other team. And those are raw counts. So there's some, you know, yes, they've played four games. Not everyone has. But a lot of chances for and against. Is that is that useful to know? Yeah, it is useful to know. I think so, too. Because I, I had this conversation with you after the first couple of games. They, they, they want to play a certain way. Yeah. And they they like their goals. They like their cookies. And if it means giving up a few chances to make sure I still get my chances which we know they've had a ton. Yeah. Like I, with a couple of breaks, Tavares and, and Marner could be leading the league in scoring. <laughs> it's, no, you're not wrong there. I'm, I'm just saying, if, if, if it just rolled and it just, they've had that many chances. But that's not what playoff hockey's all about. And even if you've got to give up some offense to shore up the less chances that you're talking about, right? start doing it now. 
So you're ready for the playoffs. That was the focus last year, right? We heard about that all last year, and it hasn't carried over to this well, year. I'm not. I'm not seeing enough of it. Yeah, I'm not. The one thing that fascinates me in regards to this shot attempts conversation, like by percentage, the guy who's best on the Toronto Maple Leafs is Rasmus Sandin. Like the puck over like two thirds of the time when, when the shot, there's a shot on the ice and Rasmus is out there, it's going the right way. So we've talked about his inability to defend, but I think he, he breaks the puck out so well and helps well, them transition through the middle that he's, he's I've, doing good things. I, I've said this, uh, and this may be the way Leaf fans feel now. Don't need to see Austin Matthews break Rick Vives' goal-scoring record for a season or source or score 60 goals. Maybe, Win the Selkie instead? No, not quite the Selkie, <laughs> but less. Less. Even yeah. if, it, if, uh, if it means giving up less of those chances. And he's, he's slowly really turning oh, himself yeah. into a 200-foot guy. So now. he's way better there, but keep improving that. It's not about the offensive numbers anymore. It's about style of play. All right. Good show today. Did you have fun today? Wonderful. Sammy, okay? Loved it, boys. All right. Derek, always great on tech. The clips were just perfect today. Money. Money day. Money day. All right. We're right back at it tomorrow on Real Kipper and Born. Thanks to our guests, Gabby, Bruce Boudreaux, JD from The Morning Show. All right. I'll listen to him in the morning, see how he responds to us. All right, JB, good job today, pal. Thank you, sir. We'll catch everybody tomorrow. You've been listening to Real Kipper and Born.